Hi everyone, welcome to the latest edition of Courageous Conversations. This is Leanne Pilkington and I am very excited to be joined by my friend Kirsty Spraggan. Kirsty, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So Kirsty, where are you right now? Tulum, Mexico. Oh, heavens above. Right. <laughs> what are you doing there? I am running some healing retreats and uh, leadership programs and all kinds of wonderful magic. It's a bloody long way from a real estate agent from Perth, my friend. It is. It is. A long way miles-wise and a long way from where I began as a, as a young girl. Yeah, totally. So you and I first connected, gosh, a very long time ago now, but you had left the real estate industry in Perth and you'd come over to Sydney with the focus of becoming a speaker. And so that's how we first met. But tell everybody, for those that don't know you, tell everybody about your early days in Perth. Oh my gosh. My early days in Perth, I was in my, what was it, mid to late 20s. Gosh, that's a long time ago. And um, was working with Remax. Time, who went became uh, independent as real mark and had kind of you know i think my first year i was ranked in the top in the state second year in the top in the country third year worldwide so it was a really fast time a, a lot was happening very quickly at a very young age i was working really hard i was hustling hard and so what changed oh i think i got to a point where i was kind of like is this it i recognized that i'd always wanted something else. I'd always had it in the back of my mind uh, that I wanted to speak. And I saw a lot of the trainers and facilitators at the time had been top realtors themselves. So I kind of saw that there was that pathway to it. I'd been listening to Zig Ziglar tapes and Tracy. And, you know, since I was maybe 14 years old, my dad was also a realtor. So sales, you know, sales and being in the sales industry really lends itself to personal growth. You're, you know, if you're, if you're good at what you do, you're a sponge and you're at conferences and you're learning and you're growing and you're investing in yourself and you're working with coaches and mentors. And so for me, that was something that was a huge part of my world for a very long time. And I had always seen myself eventually stepping across into that. And I think when I got to the top of my field, I kind of did feel like, is this it? This it, it wasn't all I thought I wanted in life. And I realized that for me, there was something else that I'd always wanted to do. And that was going into more of an educational teaching empowerment kind of role. That's a it's a hard thing to step away from though when you are at the top of your field and and as we know when you're in the top of your field in real estate that means you're earning pretty good money was that not a hard thing to step away from It wasn't it wasn't I think you know I remember being in a hotel room in Melbourne and just having this moment where I thought I'm not happy and really tuning in and asking myself what was that about and realizing that I had a desire to do something else and I felt that, I don't know how I would describe it, but like I felt the weight of what, of the hope of what could be and the fact that I wasn't going for that. And so the, the inspiration or the desire to do something else was pulling me. And I think the fact that I had, so yes, it was hard because you're walking away and it was, it was scarier when I made the decision. Like the day after, I remember being sick to my stomach when I'd actually told my agency and felt like everything was shut down. It was hard, but also the one good thing was because I was so successful, I had investments, I had property, I had finances. So the plus side was 
that I felt secure enough to be able to do that, to move to Sydney, to take a year, to give myself time, to learn those new skills, to meet mentors, to develop myself, to see how it would feel and like try it on. But sales isn't something that you can kind of just step away from for a year and hope it's still going to be there. You know, like all your clients aren't necessarily waiting for you. So I did know that there was an enormous amount of pressure mm. to make it work. And so then the speaking went pretty well for a while in Australia, but then you made a massive leap and moved to the U.S., Yeah, I think I knew from the very beginning that I wanted to go to the US. I had really big dreams and visions for where I was going to take things onto that international stage. But I think for me, you know, being from Perth, it's one of the most isolated cities in the world and small. And so I think that initial step from Perth to Sydney was important and it helped me develop my speaking skills, my ability to, you know, one of the things that really helped me was the fact that I could sell because when this all happened, it was just as the global financial crisis was happening. There were a lot of speakers who were desperate and here I am starting out and I honestly think what got me through was the fact that I could sell myself. Yeah, absolutely. I was always impressed with your sheer determination and positive energy and your whole outlook towards the whole thing. I can still remember having a coffee with you at the MLC Centre when you first moved over from Perth all those years ago. So it's really stuck with me. Well, and it stuck with me too. You know, there people like you, Kirsty Dunphy, you know, there's people, Fiona Blaney. I remember all those very early on calls and coffees and they – played such a a big role in supporting me and making me feel confident that it could work and people opening doors and people being willing to make email introductions and you know you were one of my early people who booked me and supported me like that all makes transitions a hell of a lot easier so I'm I'm very fortunate that I had such great relationships but I also really put a lot of time and energy into fostering great relationships Yes, you absolutely did. There's no doubt about that. When you went to the US, what was the motivation? What were you trying to achieve over with that? Because where you seem to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, but where you seem to be right now is very different to where you were when you first went over. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's two paths. I think there's the ego path and why you think you're going somewhere. And then there's the spiritual journey that you end up on and why you're actually there. You know, and when I look back at my real estate career, even a lot of it was really driven by wanting to give a big F you to everyone who'd not supported me, bullied me, you know, as a child, like I went through a lot of bullying in high school. So I feel like a lot of my success was driven by ego unknowingly. Um, to prove myself, to get validation. And moving to the US was initially around ego. It was wanting bigger, better. You know, you get triple the speaking fees. You're getting bigger stages, five to 10,000 people. You're getting bigger brands and Fortune 500 companies. But then when you strip away your ego and you start doing your deep inner work and you start figuring out that there's more on your path, for me now what it's really about is being able to reach millions of people to help them with their healing, to help them with their inner work and their awakening part of their their journey and their process. You know, I do feel called to that this is kind of a mecca for a lot of that. And personal development really started in a big way in the US. So they are a little bit more open in certain parts of the country 
country in particular and it is a bigger platform. Yeah, I can't get my head around everything that you're doing right now. I have to be honest. I mean, we caught up last time I was in the US, which wasn't actually that long ago, and it's just phenomenal to see everything that you're doing. So when you talk about inner work, what does that actually mean? You know, I think that the word healing has some negative connotations. I think people can think healing means they're broken, they're innately flawed. You know, I think we all come in with this seed of I'm not good enough that is a part of our journey, our process, and it gets triggered in lots of different ways. And we get to do our inner work. For me, an entrepreneurial journey is one of the most profound ways to do deep inner work because you're on that hero's journey. You're constantly pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. You're working through fears. You're having to look at your ego and your identity. It can break you down, you know, and for each person, it's very unique. It's tailored to the journey you need to be on to get the lessons that your soul's here to get. For me, every time, whether it was in real estate, getting to the top of my field, becoming an international speaker, doing my TV show, now doing a lot more in the healing space, you know, each one of those journeys stripped me down in a different way, broke and rebuilt me, and each one of them taught me something completely different, reshaped me uh, for the and so I think that this, for me, inner work uh, comes in ways like, you know, and this this podcast around courageous conversations, you know, when I first started in real estate, I found it incredibly difficult to have courageous conversations because that requires an, a certain level of vulnerability and risk. Now, in the beginning, I didn't want to risk anything. I didn't want anyone to see me. I didn't want to make a mistake. You know, I was young. I was in my 20s. I didn't want to say the wrong thing and possibly lose business. I didn't want to deal with difficult clients who were total assholes because I didn't have the confidence that I could have that conversation in a way that left things whole and complete and I was clear about my values, my boundaries, what I would tolerate, what I wouldn't. Like I wasn't willing to work, walk away from things that I should have. And so all of those things are inner work, getting to a point where you can have authentic conversations where you can be clear about your boundaries and your values and what you want. All of that takes courage and confidence and to get there takes inner work. And so for me, that's one of the things that being on an entrepreneurial journey can teach you if you're open to it and you're doing your growth. But how do you actually get comfortable? Uh, I've just had a situation where I've been deceived by people that I trusted and I'm really struggling with that. Not that because, you know, everybody's got their own journey and that's okay, but I guess I thought that the relationships I had were one thing and they were not. So let me ask you, think about one of these people. Yeah. And think about were there any red flags? The way that they deceived you, was there anything in the way that they talk to other people that you know of their business dealings that anybody else had said to you about them was there anything that gave you an indication um with one no with the other there was some behavioral changes that you know I didn't um I didn't address probably because I feel like you know part of it is owning what have we maybe tried to to Minimizer. So there can be many things. One, we can be too busy. Two, we might not do the digging that we should and be discerning. Three, we may just ignore those red flags and think that it doesn't apply to us. I think that in every 
situation, when we can look at that, we can go, oh, wow, I can take my power back. Because when we think that this just happened and it could happen any other time, that's incredibly scary. And it's a thing where we go, oh, we put up walls and we're not yeah, going to let well, anybody you blind, in. You get, you get blindsided, right? Right. I see how they treated other people or I see what I missed or what I didn't dig into enough to really know or I wasn't discerning enough or I didn't. Um, and it's not about... When I say I, 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 it's not about blaming yourself. It's about taking your power back and going, I missed something and I don't want to miss it in the future and I can trust myself to be discerning. I can trust my intuition. I can trust that if I tap in more energetically. When I think about early relationships, I was jumping in too fast. I would get excited the minute I met someone and want to be their best friend and I'd want to be doing business with someone, if I felt that passion and that energy, I'd be like, oh, my God, we have to do work together. Whereas now it scares me if someone behaves like that with me. I go, whoa, hold on a minute. I just want to get to know you. Like, yes, this feels good, but let's see in a week or two or a month like where this goes. I want to see how you show up in the world. I want to see how I really feel with you because there can be many different reasons why connections come in. Now, here's the other thing. When we are betrayed or we do have an experience that is self-correcting, like because we all have these patterns. And so I also look at if, a, if something's coming in as another pattern, it's like what's the lesson here? Why did this come in and did this happen? What was it trying to teach me? How's it trying to stretch me? How's it shaking me up? And instead of seeing it as a negative to be scared of or worried that it may come in again, look at what is it here to teach me and how do I make sure that I do shift in a way that it doesn't come in in the same way. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't realise we were going to have a therapy session today, but I do appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) But that technique of looking at it, I've done that also with rape survivors and every single one of them has known the moment there was a red flag when they texted a friend that they felt uncomfortable, that they shouldn't have been there. And it's again, it's not about taking any blame. It's about empowering yourself that you don't then think this could happen at any moment to me again. Taking back your power and going, okay, this is all about me learning to trust my intuition, my energy, and ask when I need to leave a situation or when something doesn't feel good. Because most of the time why people stay in anything where they're betrayed or hurt is they don't want to make the other person uncomfortable. That's so true. And trying to close the loop in your head, you know, when you're lying there in bed at night and things are going around and around and around in circles, it's just so pointless because you're not getting anywhere. You're just reliving. um, You're just reliving the same moment over and over again. And you will never understand with someone who is, you know, a rapist, a sociopath, a narcissist, you know, in certain situations, you are going to ever you will bang your head against a wall like you're never going to be able to understand why someone like that would do what they did you have to just be able to take what, what do I need from this how do I do my healing how do I move forward how do I stay empowered and not lose my confidence and my self-esteem and allow them to take anything else yeah that's actually really powerful I mean you don't don't because we do try and understand why why would they behave that way why would they do that but you can't understand somebody else's motivations and what's going on in their own head and their own world you just have to learn what you can for yourself well and the deeper thing beneath your question and anyone who's questioning like the why me or why would they do this is hurt and then we start to make it personal what have I done to attract this 
don't go there. This isn't about you haven't done anything to attract this horrible person. Yes, maybe on a karmic level, pattern level, there's something there that you need to work through, but don't go into blame of, you know, at the end of the day, this person is responsible for their behaviour, their choices, and you haven't done anything to deserve them treating you in that way or being that kind of person. Mm, very interesting. All right, off the therapy for a second. Your TV show, you just you mentioned that in passing a little while ago. Tell us more about what that was what that was all about. Well, Kirsty TV really is therapy. You know, Kirsty TV for me was about sharing me two stories so that people didn't feel alone and about sharing courageous conversations. So everybody I interview is a survivor, whether it's someone who's been through depression, addiction, suicide, rape, cutting, they're a warrior in some way, shape or form. They share with the viewer a me too moment and they also share how they got through it and how they got to the other side and what it took. And so for me, that was incredibly important. I think for all of us, there is nothing more powerful than hearing those words, me too. You know, if you're, if you're going through cancer, hearing from all your friends means a lot, but hearing from another cancer survivor, like there's nothing like that mirror when you're in deep with something or you're going through a divorce, like you want to talk to other people who really get what it's like to be in that situation. Yeah, it's so true. And are you still filming Kirsty TV? Not at the moment. I'm taking a break. We have 150 episodes up on Kirsty TV. That's massive. Yeah. So I think it's like 3 million views from 120 countries. So people can tune in on YouTube, Kirsty TV, and watch through all the archives. But I'm working on recording something new at the moment, but a, a different kind of venture. Oh, that sounds exciting. I will stay tuned for more on that at another time. <laughs> Kirsty, you're coming back to Australia in March and you're speaking at a conference with Elizabeth Gilbert. That is very exciting. Whereabouts is that? Yeah, it's going to be in Sydney. I think it's at the university. Um, it's with a group called EO who I worked with in the US and I was actually on a program there with George Bush. So they tend to get some some big names, which is very exciting. And, um, yeah, I'm coming out in March and doing – Wire, as well as this other event, um, both on the topic of legacy. Right, which is just so coincidental. So what can we expect for those of us that are going to come to Wire? Give us a little bit of a taster of what we can expect. You know, I think that this theme that you have of legacy is such a powerful one, but it's something that some of us can find hard to connect to. Not everybody knows what their purpose is, let alone legacy. So I hope to make it a little bit more tangible for people and relatable and to give them some ideas on how they get to go from a place where they're in maybe a career or a business and instead in alignment with their purpose, their dharma, their bigger calling, and how they might be able to be of service in some way, even through what they're already doing, but just stepping it up into a place where it feels more aligned with a legacy. That sounds amazing. Because I have to say, I was asked at a, a leadership event, what was my, what, what did I hope my legacy was going to be? And I'm like, what? Legacy, I did, you know, it seriously hadn't occurred to me prior to that time. And I think part of the reason is that that word conjures up these really massive things. And that's not necessarily what it's about, right? No. And I mean, I think about you and where we started. And I think, I think you would say the same of me. I think you've left an incredible legacy. Like you have inspired so many other girls coming up through the ranks that you can work in different roles. I mean, you started in a um, 
was it marketing, like more of an administrative role, right? And then have gone into management and ended up running companies and now on boards and then you were a president of one of the REIs, you know, and so you have been the inspiration to what a woman in the real estate industry can do and to break those boundaries and to go into so many different roles. And so I think that legacy can be that. It doesn't have to be that we're saving millions of children or, you know, starting up a nonprofit. For some people, it may be, that may be their calling, but we can leave a legacy in the way that we inspire others. We can leave a legacy by touching one other person, by telling our story. There are so many ways that we can leave that legacy and be of service. Yeah, you're so right. I'm so glad you are coming over for this event. It is going to be incredible. So for those that haven't booked yet, Wire is on the 24th of March in Sydney. Go to the REI NSW website or just reach out to me and I'll connect you. Now, Kirsty, you've got some other availability while you're in town. So if people want to connect or have you speak at an event for them, how can they find you? Yeah, just email me, Kirsty at KirstySpragan.com. My website's KirstySpragan.com. They can check out videos on the Kirsty TV channel on YouTube or on Instagram. I'm pretty much everywhere, Facebook. So just reach out. I'm going to be there likely between around the 10th of March through to the end of March, possibly the first week of April, depending on public events and a job on the way out. So yeah, just reach out if there's anything in that kind of March, early April period. I'm happy to connect. Fantastic. Well, I cannot wait to see you. I'm actually emceeing the REI event. So I will see you on stage, my friend, and I can't wait. I can't wait too, Leanne. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.